Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Vineyard Church. Whether you're with us in person or online, I want to welcome you. I'm glad you're here. Uh, for those of you who are just checking us out who might be new, I'm Jeremy Pleasant. I'm the senior pastor here, and, and I'm glad you're here with us. Um, there's a few things I want to uh, talk about before we dive into the message today. Uh, you've heard about kind of our two major announcements uh, Spirit and Life Nine and Campus Cleanup. Um, so for both these things, they're both happening this weekend. I just really want to encourage you to come out. Uh, we have we weren't able to do Spirit and Life Nine a few weeks ago. And so um, this is something we wanted to do as often as we can so that we can uh, gather and worship together and just experience God together uh, as we continue to seek after him. And so it's going to be outdoors. I'm not sure what the weather's going to be like exactly, but I don't think it's going to be that cold. If it is, we're going to have heaters. Uh, But just really want to provide an opportunity for everyone, especially for those who have been comfortable coming in person uh, to be able to worship with us outdoors um, and just kind of have a community. Uh, fellowship together that way. So I really want to invite you to that. Um, And our campus cleanup um, is going to be the day after. Um, There's there's a a lot of ways uh, to be involved with that, whether you want to do a lot of manual labor or you want to do something, uh, something more inside, Uh, whatever you have skills in, whatever your gifts in, we'd love for you to come and just help to continue to uh, keep our campus uh, uh, going strong. And so, um, excuse me, the last thing is that we are on Tuesday, on Giving Tuesday, you know we've had, uh, you know, we have Black Friday, right? Then there's Cyber Monday, um, and then there's Giving Tuesday. Well, on Giving Tuesday this year, uh, we're going to start a hands and feet drive. And so what this is going to be is an opportunity to continue to uh, provide uh, resources uh, for, for, for those in our community in Baton Rouge. A lot of people who have, have been hit hard um, by this, uh, by the events of this year. And so what we want to do is, is continue to look at how we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. And listen, um, y'all have done a great job this year uh, with, with every ask that I've had with that. You know, during, during the hurricane, we really responded in a strong way. And, and so I want to continue that response as uh, the, the, the trials continue as we go into to, to the end of the year. And so uh, on Giving Tuesday, and it's going to go from Giving Tuesday through Christmas Eve, there are two main things that we are going to be supporting one is going to be our benevolence fund. Um, our benevolence fund is available for church members and those in our community who just kind of come on hard times and need help with uh, a bill here or, or um, an expense there that they just they've kind of run out. And um, if you know what that's like, you know, you often don't have any other place to turn. We want to what we want to do is, is be able to to provide that as, as best we can. And so up to this point, our, we, we, we've been able to use the fund and, and, and uh, support some people. But we want to be able to continue that. And uh, and so that's the, one of the first things. The second thing is going to be uh, with our partners, Heritage Ranch, the, uh, the Children's Christian Home and Zachary. We've been partnering with them for many years. And uh, they've also been uh, uh, affected by uh, the events of this year. And so what we want to do is continue to support our partners at, at this home where, you know, we've been able to send teams before. We've done work at the ranch. We've, uh, we've supported them in other ways. And we just want to continue that uh, because as, as they are continuing to be the hands and feet of Jesus, we, we want to uh, partner with them and work with them. And so those are the two main things we're doing. And so I just encourage you just to pray about how, how God would, would call you to, uh, to support in this mission. And, and, you know, and what it is right now is for those who can, that's who, who we're asking. We also know there are those in our community who, who can't. And so I'm not asking those who can't to, 
um, to, to, to suffer right now for this. What I'm asking everyone is to seek God on what he's asking you to do as we push forward towards the end of the year, starting with Giving Tuesday, uh, to continue to support our community and for our church to be the hands and feet, even though we can't do it literally right now as we normally would uh, by financially being able to, uh, to, to support uh, our church family and uh, the Baton Rouge community. So I invite you into that uh, today. Um, they talked about, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the signups that, that, you, that you can do this. Uh, we, we, we updated our website to hopefully make that process easier. And so check it out. Reach out with any questions you have. And uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to a good end of the year. So uh, today we start a new series. Um, uh, every year we, we, uh, we do a series of, of Advent with, with the rest of the vineyard. And this year we're looking at the gift of risk and how uh, the Advent season, how the coming of Christ help us, helps us to, to lean into risk and to see risk as a gift. And so I want to start out in Matthew 1, 21 and 23 is going to be basically our main passage for today as we dive in. It says, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So. The first thing I want to look at is kind of this this Advent season that we have um, in our culture, in the church of, of Advent, which is kind of a, a preparation. Right. We, we are preparing ourselves uh, for the, the, the coming of Christ. And so um, before we get into that, I want to actually want to push a little bit backward and go to uh something similar that we see in the Jewish culture in the Old Testament, which are feasts and festivals. And so if, if you if you go through scripture, you can't help but notice that there are a lot of celebrations, right? There, there are these feasts, there are these these, these festivals that, that, that are, are being had. And one of the ones we're going to talk about is the festival of unleavened bread. Now, we're not going to dive too, too deep into it, but uh, the reason I want to talk about these festivals is because they actually served a purpose. They, they, they were celebrations and, and they were feasts and they were parties and they were having a good time, but, the, but, but they had a purpose. The purpose was to remember and celebrate the power and greatness of God. You see, as they practiced these things repeatedly every year, they were a remembrance of God's love and help and how he's able to sustain them. It provided reminders that God is moving and active in hard times and in good times, and it pointed to the reality of God's presence. That's what these purposes, that's what these festivals purpose for, for the people of Israel. And so, as I mentioned, we have the festival of unleavened bread. Now, this was a seven-day festival. They really knew how to party in that time. And so this was a seven-day festival. And what they would do, they would eat bread without yeast. Now, I actually need to do some more research into this because I haven't spent as much time as I want into it, but I've had bread without yeast and it didn't taste great, but you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure about that. So I'm going to, I'm going to do some, 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 some deeper diving into that and I'll let you know what I, what I find. So it was seven days eating bread without yeast and what, it, what they celebrate on the day of the month that uh, God brought them out of Egypt. 
Uh, now, you'll notice on our calendar that like that's, those, those days seem to move. It's because they uh, celebrate on the lunar calendar, and our, and our calendar is based on the sun. And so, but they celebrate on the, on the day of the month uh, every year that, that God brought them out of Egypt. That's what the seven-day celebration was. And so we're going to come back to it, which is why I bring that up. And so as we look at our, our Advent season, our season of, of preparation and Christmas Day, which is a celebration, right? Now, the, the difference is this is what kind of the church had drawn up. This is something that the church had developed. Um, it, it's not so much appointed in Scripture as the other um, festivals we see in, 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 in the Bible are, but, but it's what we have right now. And so with that, I, I, want us to, to, to ask, I want to ask a question and think about what if we viewed Advent and Christmas in the same way? What if it served the same purpose as the festivals we see uh, for the Jewish people? What if this annual celebration was to remind us of the power and greatness of God? Was it, what if it was to remind us, this repeated rehearsal was to remind us of God's love and help and reminded us of God's sustaining power for us? What if this celebration pointed to God's movement and action in our lives? Because I think it's much more than a remembrance. It's much more than a celebration with, with family and friends. It is something that brings us back to the heart of God. And so what if we prepare our hearts and minds this Advent to celebrate as God instructed, instructed Israel to celebrate? Y'all, the, fest, the, the feasts and festivals that were practiced all throughout the centuries were practicing good times and they weren't practicing bad times. And so let's, let's look back at, at Matthew 121. We're just going to look at the first part. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. And so in this series, we're looking at what it means to say yes, even during risk. We're looking through the eyes of Mary, Joseph and Jesus and as we celebrate, as we remember, we also know that God has placed us here for a reason. And as we remember God's faithfulness, that's, and that's part of this time, right? We remember God's faithfulness. We seek him out on how, he, on how we can be faithful to him. And so we do both, right? And so in the celebration, we remember God's faithfulness and remember what, what he has done for us and, and what he enacted through the birth of Christ. But we also say in that, how can we be faithful to you, God? And so this scripture demonstrates an important point of God's action. At the birth of Christ, we, we approach a pivotal point in history, but also a pivotal point in God's story. And we see God doing what God does. That is God being God himself and intervening himself, but also through others. Right. And so God, through the birth of Christ, is becoming God himself in the flesh and intervening into this world himself, but he's also using people to do it, in this case, Mary and Joseph. And so if we go back to the festival of unleavened bread, right, this, this festival which celebrated Israel's freedom from Egypt, we see God intervening himself. He caused all many of the things that happened in Egypt so that the Pharaoh would let them go. But he also used people. He used Moses. He used Aaron. He used others. And, and then we see that the story continues with uh, Moses' protege, Joshua. And so 
We see God both intervening himself, but then also using others. It says in the scripture we just read that his name will be Jesus. Now, I want us to get a, a, a little bit better understanding of that name. Some, some may have it, some may not. Uh, but Jesus' name in Aramaic, right, in the language that the Hebrews uh, uh, will speak at the time of Jesus' birth was Aramaic. And, his, and so his name was Yeshua. Now, Yeshua, which, which means uh, God saves or God is salvation, which means like God is, is coming, God is intervening, um, it derives from the name Joshua. And so Yeshua or, uh, or Yeshua, which is kind of the name of Joshua in Aramaic, that is where th- this name derives from. And so God instructing Mary and Joseph to give Jesus this name really means something like it it has a deeper meaning. It's like it's not just uh, a a name. We've talked about this before. Names and Hebrew culture meant much more than we can often understand. And when and when God instructed Joseph to give this name, he was saying, I am doing something here. And, 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 and it's, it, it provides a reminder like, oh, this name, this name means something. This name reminds us of what God did for us before with, 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 with Moses and with Joshua. And so we call, we, he is named Yeshua or Jesus. And so we see God intervening and him using Moses and eventually his, his initial part of the plan coming to fruition with, with Joshua. And then we see God intervening again as, this, as Jesus, the son of God, becomes flesh. And his name becomes Joshua. And we're reminded of what God will do. And the plan continues after Yeshua with the disciples. And so it's a bit like a a relay race, you know? And so I always love the four by one of the four by four relay race because it's, 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 it's not just one person. It's one of the few aspects of, 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 of track and field where it requires a, a, a real team and where every person has a part to play. Right. The, the, the first person, the second person, the third person, the fourth, each person has their own part to play. And they know that it's not just about what they do, but it's what's about a part of the bigger story. And so in this bigger story, we see God continually having this relay race. With with people, it starts with him and it ends with him and in between we have people. And so. As we see God moving and as we know, as we celebrate the, the, the birth of Jesus and God's action and God's plan in action for Christmas, the question is, what is God saying to us this Christmas? Now, throughout this series, we're going to see overwhelming encounters and messages from God that are like, wow, that was if you like really think about it, that would be amazing to have that kind of encounter. Right. So like. Moses and the, bur- and the burning bush is, is one example, right? I mean, how many of you would, would really like when you are really trying to figure out what God is saying for your life and you're trying to figure out which way to go if, like, you walk outside and your bush was on fire but, like, nothing around it was burning and then, like, a voice started coming out of the bush? 
that'd be pretty awesome. Also probably pretty scary as Moses was, <laughs> but you know, at times we want, we want kind of that, that encounter with God. Um, and so Moses saying yes to God's request involved risk, right? And, and we're not going to get into the whole story, but his yes involved risk. And as God is speaking to us, our yes is going to involve risk. But the question is, as how long before we say the yes? Or, you know, if we actually say the yes? Because, you see, there's a lot of avoidance in Moses', in Moses answer as well, right? And so he, he came up with all the reasons why he shouldn't do it. He's like, look, I left that behind me. I don't want to go back there. We're done with this. Like he didn't, he didn't, he didn't want to do it again. And here God is asking him to, to go. And so as much as we often want that burning bush encounter with God, we often don't want the risk that comes along with it. And so what I'm encouraging us to do is to say yes. Right now, look, it seems like some people are able to live a life full of risk, right? They jump out of airplanes. They do all these wild things. And we're like, man, it would be really cool to just be fearless like that. And what I want to, and, and so it's easy to kind of like look at somebody else and say, yeah, I, I, can, I can strive to have that kind of like fearless, fearless life. You know, we can admire that or assume that we should be like that. But the reality is there is some area in everyone's life that we don't want to say yes to. Right? It's easy for someone to risk life and limb, but harder for them to risk their heart. And so wherever you are, the risk that God is inviting you into, there's an invitation for us all, but we have to be willing to say yes. We have to be willing to, to, to listen, and we have to be willing to hear in ways that we don't always find comfortable. But as we step out into it, we're going to see God's response. And so we also need to understand God's part and, and, and our part and, and not confuse the two. You see, often we don't want to move forward because we think it's all on us or because we want to see the whole picture, right? And so as we respond to what God is inviting us into, it's easy to get overwhelmed because we think, oh, I need to do this and this is all on me. I have to... I have to figure this out. I have to step into this. And we forget that actually it's, it starts with God, that God first intervenes, that God opens the doors, that God makes things happen. And then he says, okay, your turn. You're number two in the relay. I'm going to get things started. And then it's your turn. And, but it's like, but then there's someone after me, right? And so it's actually not all on me. It's not, not on me to figure out. My job is to understand what my part is, what God is saying, and, and to live into that. I mean, you have to imagine in the story of Moses, like, I'm going to approach the, the, this world power and the leader of this world power and tell him to free his, his, uh, to his free labor. Why is he going to listen to me? And God's like, don't worry about it. I got that. See, God didn't, didn't, didn't give Moses the, the entire layout of the plan. He just said, go. And God's not going to give that to us either. 
You know, it's like God asking us to write a book, right? And he says, hey, write one page. And we want to know the whole 400 pages and what it's all about and how it's going to end and how we're going to get there before we even write the first page. And God is saying, no, just write the first page. Let's look at verse 23. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And ultimately, that's what this, this, this all is about. Is, is, is God with us? We can say yes, because God is with us. We can endure because God is with us. What this celebration means for us is that even when we feel so alone, so, so isolated and, and, and so worn out that just God is with us. And that is something we can celebrate. That is something we can invite others into. That is something that no matter what, at the end of the day, we can count on the most. God said to Moses before he went out, I will be with you. God said to Joshua when he took over and led the people into the promised land, I will be with you. God said to us through his son, Jesus, I am with you. And sometimes that's all we need. I know that sometimes that's for me, that's all I need is to know that God is with me because then I can do anything. Let's look at a couple practical tips. Reflect on what you learned today about the preparation of Advent, the celebration of Christmas and how what the celebrations meant for the people of God as we looked at the feasts and the festivals. Identify three ways you can ready your heart from now until Christmas Eve to prepare for this celebration. And so this is a, a, a longer practical tip. You got, you got a few weeks to get this one done. Kidding. Uh, no, number two, examine any area this year where God has been speaking or prodding you, where you may have dismissed or, or deflected or avoided his prodding. In prayer or a journal, find out what it would take for you to say yes and begin taking those steps. So it's going to take some, some deep and honest reflection to, to actually go back and say, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe God was speaking there. Maybe he was inviting me into something, but I just, I, I, I didn't want to, to, to do it. And so as... Emmanuel becomes real in this season for you, find out what it would take for you to say yes to what he's invited you into. Okay, right now, um, as we come to a close, Pastor Nikki is going to lead us into communion. And so let's partake together. <laughs> 